So I want to talk about what's happening right now globally in terms of international relations, i.e. the whole Russia situation, right? Um, so my background is that I actually I have a bachelor's um, in political science. I specialized in political economics and um, international relations. I essentially did several projects covering the history of the Middle East. Um, very well uh, uh, announced on energy markets historically and the implications that they have um, in terms of uh, economics and trade. I should also add, right, the things I'm going to say here uh, may not exactly sound like what you've been hearing um, on news. However, I don't care. I don't care. I've been speaking about this for long enough. Uh, I had a thesis on this when I was an undergrad. Nobody wanted to listen then, right? So I don't care about your opinions or feelings right now. You're going to listen to me if you want to hear, hear this information. So you need to understand, to understand what's happening right now, you need to have a good understanding of international relations, right? And that's the most important thing right now. So you have to go back to world, the end of World War II. When we ended World War II, right, um, Germany essentially was destroyed. The way that happened, though, right, was that the Russian uh, forces um, led by by uh, uh, Stalin essentially pushed into Germany via a like a war of attrition, right? So prior to that, actually, there was like uh, prior to that, Germany had been beating the crap out of Russia, right? I think there's something in the estimates of like 20 million Russians died at the end of World War II. You had things like Stalingrad. You had, you know, you had what um, you had like the crazy guy, uh, Stalin himself, essentially starving his people. Right. He essentially like the way the Russians won World War II against Germany was by throwing hundreds of millions of bodies, hundreds of millions, throwing millions of bodies it, like into the meat grinder that was the German Nazi forces. Right. This is why there is such a historical visit hate, right? And you need to understand, these Russians at the time had no resources, right? They were being sent to the battlefields, right? Some of them with no guns, right? Some of them with no ammo. You basically had to go see the soldier in front of you die, grab his gun, and then get to scrapping, right? So this, you need to understand, like, I guess on an emotional level, how much attrition happened at the end of World War II and the general emotional sentiment Russians had towards Germans and, and essentially just in general um, Nazis, right? So there was a huge problem. Anyhow, the end of World War II, basically Russia rolls in. They, 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 they like really messed Germany up, right? When they actually get into, like, into Germany, right? They did some like war crimes. Let's put it at that, right? Because they were angry. Can you imagine you fought a war for years, decades, you've seen people die, like your family members, there's been famines, right? So when they, when Russia got into Germany, there was like disgusting things that happened, disgusting things. Uh, but anyhow, at the end of, uh, at the conclusion of the war, there was essentially a negotiation or conversation as to what should happen with Germany itself. Essentially, because Germany, from like a geographical perspective, is actually extremely economically advantageous when you look at the Eurozone, right? Reason being the rise Rhineland, right? So the Rhineland is this area northwest of like Germany. Um, that was one of the first regions that Hitler took uh, prior to World War II. And essentially, that was essentially to acquire more resources in terms of steel and iron ore, right? Um, I think there's possible. Yeah. So, so like the, the Rhineland essentially it was purposeful for that, economically purposeful for that reason, right? So then World War II, 
you had a bit of a conversation because Europe had been destroyed, right? So like, 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 uh, France, like France had been destroyed. Uh, uh, England had been destroyed. Spain had taken some damage, right? And in general, all the militaries had basically gone through major attrition through the war. So Russia essentially, there was a conversation as to what should happen with Germany. Russia essentially believing that they've gone through the most damage to the war, thought essentially that they should capture Germany. However, there was an initial issue because the U.S. right, who which, who who had basically um experienced the least damage because they had got into World War II the latest, right, via Pearl Harbor. Um, and essentially, they saw the least casualties and just general damage, right? So their idea was that, okay, no, 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 no. Like, we need to have a conversation about what's going to happen with Germany. You get, like, Russia can't just can't take it. And also, like, I think on some level, there was a conversation about the reason why World War II started was basically because we put all of the cost of World War I onto Germany, which uh, which essentially caused hyperinflation in, in, the, in the Weimar Republic, that Da, 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 end of World War II. So um, there was essentially conflict as to what, what, what we should do with Germany, right? This was the beginning of the Cold War. Yes, the Cold War started at the end of World War II, right? Um, in my opinion, though, it never really ended, right? So the whole idea of the Cold War now essentially was that, okay, who's going to take over Germany? Um, essentially, and with the conclusion of the war, you, um, you essentially um, saw the two prominent major powers being the USSR, right, and and uh, and the US, right. So this was the beginning of what people at that, at that time called a bipolar geopolitical system, right. So in a bipolar geopolitical system, you essentially have two hegemonies, right, or two big boys, big big major powers, right, and they essentially are what allow peace to occur globally because people essentially align themselves to one side or the other, right. So this was the nature of the Cold War, where you saw USSR and thought and at the USSR. And the communist wave essentially go against like the whole uh, liberal Western democracy and like that whole sort of perspective of things, right? So that was the Cold War. Um, uh, you actually hear of of, uh, of of Biden talking about this too. There's actually a book called The Fourth Turning that everybody should read as well. Um, they essentially talk about how that was the new world order, right? So being in a bipolar system was a new world order because essentially geopolitically, the world is ordered in this way. So that's what they mean by that, right? So two twos, 80 years later, we're, we're here where we're at right now, right? In between that, obviously, we had a massive proxy wars. Um, we had a lot of proxy wars, which, in, which were essentially the result of the Cold War occurring, right? So the Cold War is a conflict between, I guess, the, again, both major hegemonies, so the West and then the USSR. And essentially, they went through, they, 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 it, in order, so the UN was created to make sure that there was no great uh, power battle, right? So no, no, no like G7 or G8 countries would fight each other, right? So the decision was then, right, that like low-key, okay, cool. Since we can't fight each other straight on, we will essentially continue doing combat in these third world countries that we are fighting for resources, right? And we shall pay people or we should essentially like send in individuals into these areas and it will still be combat from the west and the east but essentially because it is not soldiers from the ussr or from the states or nato or anything like that it's all good to go right um let's also look into the concept of nato right because I, I know i'm adhd ju jumping everywhere right but understand that nato was literally created as an alliance against russia after World War II, during the Cold War. This is why Russia has serious issues with NATO. Like, on, like legitimately, understand this. Like, again, NATO is a military alliance that has been put together to fight 
Russia since 1945. That is their only purpose. Each one of these like 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 uh uh like, like international organizations have a purpose, right? So the UN, they were stood up uh they were stood up essentially to make sure that uh major nations don't fight each other. Before that it was called the League of Nations. That failed, went to World War II, right? So the UN's only purpose is to make sure that G8 countries, which is hilarious, that was G7, do not fight each other. Ironically, NATO, right? So North American Treaty Organization is a, a military alliance that has been stood up specifically, specifically to essentially be an aggressor against Russia or at the time the USSR, right? So if you look at NATO actions uh, during the Cold War, right? Like basically, so like, like I mentioned, there was a lot of proxy battle that occurred from 1945 to where we are today. So the sentiment from an international perspective, from an international relations perspective, right? Although um, politically, uh, these countries delegate with each other and seem to be very lazy, like good, right? Like when they go to economic agreements, they're low-key, they're still warring against each other. This has been what's been happening over the last 80 years, right? Um, it's just you don't see this, right? So when you hear about the war in Darfur, when you hear about the war in Afghanistan, what happened in Syria, all of these things essentially were conflicts that were either supplied or directly fought by either Western or Eastern major powers, right? To essentially establish a hegemony in an area that would have been uh, a, a resource benefit for, for, for uh, the respective power, right? Anyhow, so where we're at today, right? Um, basically, this is actually this is legitimately what I think is happening. So, under so so there's a so imagine this. So if you're a politician uh, on the west or the east, since 1945, there's essentially been a low key war happening between the west and the east, right? That has essentially been the major keystone of international relations. Your policy is literally geared towards that, right? So everything towards Israel. Everything in the Middle East, none of it makes sense, right? But at the end of the day, it's resource acquisition to essentially be a better combatant against Russia. That's all of the shit that's been happening, right? Okay, so just, 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 under, just understand that, right? Um, so all of these legacy politicians, right? Although they may tell you differently, this is the, 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 the baseline mandate, of like their 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 political direction, right? So the Pelosi's, the Bidens, like all of these legacy politicians, right? What I'm trying to say here, right? For years, for decades, they have been operating in what is essentially a low-key war against the USSR and now Russia. And this is why you always hear anti-Russian or Russophobic rhetoric from specifically the DNC, but just in general, right? Like you hear this coming from legacy American politicians. It goes back to the days when you'd be like, oh, fuck you, you commie. Like, like that, that's the, that's, that's the, it has not changed since then, right? So this is also why at the same, uh, for the same token, politicians on the East, right? So like Lavrov, all of the, all of the Russian, the, the oligarchs, right? They hate the West. They hate Western politicians, right? Because this is the low-key battle that's been going on forever. This is the rhetoric that is not sp spoken on on CNN because context is talk. No, context isn't fun. Matter of fact, I don't know how many people are probably like lost listening to at this point because nobody wants to understand nuance, right? Anyhow, right? So I think this is low-key what's been happening. Okay, so if you so so now I want to move back to uh, the Obama Obama uh, era, right? Second term. So Hillary Clinton, um, Hillary Clinton's a legacy politician. You need to understand that Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton essentially is the equivalent of George Bush, 
right? Like the Bushes and the Clintons are essentially like legacy political families. They've been in this shit forever. Like they're very much so embroiled in is everything that I've said. They they they, they essentially get econo- they get economically benefited from essentially doing policies that maintain this Cold War environment, right? Like that's what they do. Right. So when Hillary Clinton, so that's what the reason that's that's the reason why a lot of people actually don't like Hillary Clinton has nothing to do. Well, I mean, I, I, I obviously there's probably a lot of domestic issues with her, but the issue a lot of people have with Hillary Clinton is her 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 perspective on international relations because she's a legacy. She's a legacy Western politician looking to continue the the the, the Cold War. Right. Which is not beneficial to anybody going over in the future. Like, sons should not be fighting their father's wars, or daughters should not be fighting their mother's wars, regardless, right? Um, so this is the major issue people have with Hillary. So, like, like when, when Hillary was secre- Secretary of State, right, she essentially, like, continuing this, this rhetoric or this sort of, yes, continuing this anti, this, this Russophobic uh, rhetoric um, that's essentially in line with the Cold War, she essentially was the one that was front, fronting a lot of the uh, uh, international relations policies pertinent to the Middle East that essentially furthered this proxy war, whether it was essentially supplying rebels um, who were actually ISIS fighters in Syria to overthrow Assad, whether it was, um, you know, uh, what, what else did she do? Uh, there was that. Whether it was the whole scenario in, in, in Libya where she essentially went to go overthrow Gaddafi and that actually turned into a worse scenario because Gaddafi actually was more so aligned with these eastern more sort of like soviet sort of leaders and whatnot and he also had some economic ideas as to what to do with like um with libya right so like this is why people don't like hillary right like she essentially continued the propagation of this cold war um however uh basically like in the second term of in the second term of uh obama's uh uh, sorry in the obama's second term when hillary was secretary of state she started noticing the rise of China, right? And she started noticing economically how they could actually challenge the hegemony that is the U.S. So she started talking about the Asia pivot, right? So no one ever remembers this. So the Asia pivot was the idea of like, hey, let's take away our focus on international relations away from the Middle East and we got to focus it on Asia, right? Because they're basically trying to take over. We can't allow that to happen, right? So she started doing things like, uh, well, she and Obama and like that whole sort of like like the administration at the time started pushing policies like the transatlantic uh, uh, par- uh, TPP, Transatlantic Trade Partnership Agreement, right? The TTP, right? So the TTP essentially was this huge thing. People probably remember it. People probably remember it at the time being a significant name that came up in news, but they probably did not understand what was happening. TTP, essentially, Transatlantic Trade Partnership, TTP, yeah. So, so it, it, TTP was essentially was an economic policy fronted by the West, specifically by the US, right? Essentially to create an economic agreement that would lock out Asia. So essentially it would be an economic agreement between all major G20 countries and, and some, subsidiary, um, uh, some subsidiary countries in the Asia Pacific that were more politically aligned with the West. So like the Cambodia is the Philippines of the world, right? So the idea essentially was to move trade from China into these like periphery Asia, Asian states. And that way you could basically... Um, you could take the economic stronghold that 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 uh, that that uh, that the China had because at the time China had like an eight percent GDP growth. Meanwhile, like the U.S. was like struggling at like two percent, and this has a lot of implications as to how economies work in terms of the bond market. Da 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 da. We're not gonna go into that, right? Anyhow, Hillary saw China rising. She's like, nah, cut that, right? So she tried she tried doing that via uh, T, uh, T, uh, TPP, right? 
this is where I start getting assumptive, right? Around this time, okay, so I'll, I'll say a couple things. Let's talk about China. Um, the Chinese Communist, wait, the, the Communist Party of China, right? They, these are, these are, okay, I'll put it like this. These are some of the evilest individuals currently in the world. At the same time, this is by far, by far the most intelligent political administration in the history of history. And we're all fronting like that's not the case. I am telling you right now, the Communist Party of China is so smart, right? Like they operate on a level, like, they operate in reality. What do I mean by this, right? So imagine this, Everything, I've been saying what I've been saying since undergrad and I've been treated like a, like a psycho, okay? What the Chinese communist, what the Communist Party of China is doing is that they're looking at international relations from my perspective and they are capitalizing off of it, right? You need to understand that. So, okay, so, so, okay. so when TPP happened, right, in my opinion, this is when the Chinese Communist Party really woke up and said, no, 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 we can't have this. We got to, we are on the rise. This is when we start taking over, right? Um, there was an article that came out of a leak. There's, there's a couple of leaks that came out from the Chinese Co uh, Communist Party about them talking about how they're going to participate in unconventional warfare, right? So I'm going to do the TLDR. The idea of it was that they knew that from a, from a military perspective, there's no way that they could actually stand up against the West, period. There's no way. So the idea was to participate in unconventional warfare and to weaken the enemy to the point when, when it did come to a hot war, it'd be much easier to accomplish, right? You can Google this, fact check me. This is actually a thing. They literally took aspects of um, uh, Soviet, um, like Russian Soviet like intelligence of subversion, right? I forget the guy's name, but there was a, there was a, there was a Soviet uh, like KGB guy that came from, he defected from Russia. He was like a professor somewhere. I want to say UCL. It was uh, one, one, of the, one, of, one of the major US Ivy League schools, right? And he was talking about how the KGB did not focus specifically on any like military aspect of thing, or like they didn't focus on guns. They focused on subversion, right? So what's subversion? Subversion is essentially is the idea of like just... Subversion essentially is the concept of cultural destruction or basically just taking away... Um, like taking away the idea of like a consensus, right? So, or, or basically it, it's, like, it's like you want to, so it's, it's like, oh, Russia isn't the problem. You know, a lot of the economic policies that are causing, uh, you know, um, a, welfare, a welfare gap in, in the U.S. are actually the real issue here. And we should actually be looking more so domestically at why the uh, U.S. government is being really bad to its citizens, right? So Russia would focus on doing shit like that. Because they like so, it's just, and and basically the Chinese Communist Party has be, has, has taken aspects of that and now now they're using that against us, right? So I'm being very assumptive here. There's no like I I, I outside of that uh, leak that came from the CCP, like there's no actual evidence. Like, I don't know. I mean, you could look around and see what's happening in the world, obviously, right? So again, this is what I'm trying to say here. Um, when 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 the Chinese Communist Party booked Hillary Clinton in the Asia pivot, they were like, nah, end this now, right? So they started doing uh, formats of unconventional warfare. Um, I would even I, I back this up and say they actually became a lot more offensive because around this time is when you saw China actually start to advance its navy. Um, essentially because there was an issue in the South China Sea. So when TPP happened, China was like, nah, you ain't going to do this, right? Because they were like, no, I'm not going to. So, so, so when TPP happened, China started tripping. So the, the, their, their reaction was like, you know what? The South China Sea, which is where the West gets, does a lot of their trade. So if you guys want to go do trades with, with Asia Pacific, you're going to have to get boats through the, through the South China Sea. So what China said is like, nah, fam, that ain't happening. A, 
I'm building more naval ships. B, I'm literally going to start developing islands around the Spratly Islands that will act as naval bases. This is back in 2014, right? That was their instant reaction. They're like, nah, I don't care. They're like, you're not doing this. I don't care. You're not, you're not coming in here, setting this trade agreement, and then trying to come in and rob my house. So, they, so basically, they, they, that's when the South China Sea conflict happened, right? And since like 2014, there's essentially been like this low-key, like it's like, it's, it's, it's like a, so it, in the South China Sea right now, um, the, the China basically set up these islands. They developed their naval, naval bases on the other side, essentially, is Western NATO forces, right? So they've been like, like, like essentially like across each other for years now. Nothing's really popped off, but it is an area of combat right it's just a sleepy area of combat um so that happened right i this is this this is my thought process here i would i also think like it, um well not a, not i think another aspect of unconventional warfare essentially was, was was um intelligence right so spying right so i think around this times when you saw i mean probably not around this time but i, I think maybe I, I, like so in, uh, spying and intelligence is like a, another conversation itself but around this time i think is when you really saw like a large incentive for china to really get a lot of chinese agents into influential um influential roles in in in, in the western world right whether it be government whether it be uh, whether it be science whether it be all this shit and i want to take a second here to, to sort of to t- take a bit of a break if you don't believe me right okay if you don't believe me that China or states essentially use capital to go endear individuals um, in institutions like scientists, right? Let's have a conversation about Jeffrey Epstein, right? Because this the, the whole Epstein story is the fact that this guy, we, he, he, he was state funded. We don't know if it was by Israel. We don't know if it was by the US. But essentially, he was a guy that was going around honeypotting scientists and uh, major individuals in tech, right? Why would you be doing that? I don't know. Let's also consider what I'm saying, what China's been doing with unconventional warfare, right? Not saying that obviously like Epstein was anyway Chinese, but consider this, right? It's called um it's called an arms race, right? So if one country is doing that shit, another country's gonna be doing that shit, right? So if you think Epstein's the only guy, you're fucking you you're losing you're out of you're out of your mind, right? We have that whole scenario where there was that um the Chinese like like honeypot Fang Fang, and she was sleeping with like uh, Eric Swalwell, who's who's like a, like he's in a, a major guy in, in like the Democratic uh, administration. Anyhow, right. So, what I'm trying to say here, because I'm getting far away from the point here. When Hillary Clinton started doing the Asia pivot, and you saw the U.S. administration essentially now try to target Asia, the Chinese Communist Party turned on. They started operating unconventional warfare. I believe they infiltrated every single aspect of government within specifically the U.S., right? I will also add this. I basically think that they essentially compromised Joe Biden, right? And this is, this is the, the TLDR, right? I think the Chinese Communist Party compromised Joe Biden and forced him, right? Forced him to be more aggressive with NATO, right? Actually, I'll say, say, say to, to, to do a couple of things. I think the Chinese Communist Party compromised Joe Biden, right? They're the ones who essentially got him out of Afghanistan. A complete strategical failure makes absolutely no sense. That was our most eastern um, uh, military base, Bagram Air Base, right? So consider how convenient it is now. We don't have Bagram, right? And right after that, Russia, Russia pops off, right? I also think that he, in one way or the... Sorry, I also think that Chinese Communist Party motivated... Joe Biden to be more aggressive with Vladimir Putin and to force his hand to push into Ukraine, right? This is why I think this. Everything that's happening right now is really bad for all of us, except for China, 
right? Think, no, no, I, I don't know. Just think about this. Think, think about this. Between, between COVID, right, and between what's happening with the war in Russia, China has been, like, dude, like, China has benefited economically to the, like, greatly in a very short amount of time. You need to understand that. So supply chains, right, are heavily dependent on, on China right now because we can't develop anything anymore because our, 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 our sophisticated supply chains got destroyed via the lockdown, right? So we now really, really, really rely on China, right? Like really rely on China for everything. And I'm saying like, dude, like, like it's PPE, medicine, like vital ingredients, um, yo, like basically, remember what I said with, with, with South China Sea and the Spratly Islands, right? In my opinion, Taiwan's gone. We can't even defend Taiwan. So in terms of chips, like, yo, we don't have that no more. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I think China is just China allows Taiwan to operate the way it does because why would they inter- be interested in anything otherwise? The, the the West can't get Taiwan right now, right? Like, we, we militarily we can't get to Taiwan. It's gone. It's gone, right? So now when you consider what's happening with Russia. The stupidest thing, the stupidest, the stupidest thing we could have ever done, the dumbest thing any fucking president, any U.S. president could have done, right, is A, A, knock off the second largest provider of energy off the market, okay? Because the first provider of energy is the motherfuckers that committed 9-11, right? The Saudi Arabia. So, so you push, you push out, you push out. The second largest provider of energy, forcing us to rely on Saudi Arabia, right? And what? Venezuela? Because Maduro has our backs? Are you insane? Right? This is nuts. Now, and then the next thing, you push the second largest provider of energy into the bosom of China. Right? Like, this is insane. They get cheaper energy now. Are you insane? It makes no sense. And then to add insult to injury, to add insult to injury, all of this stuff, right? The only reason the U.S. is the U.S. is because they have the reserve dollar. The reserve dollar is the reserve dollar, obviously, because of Bretton Woods, but also the petrodollar. The petrodollar is important because, essentially, you need to buy U.S. dollars to buy oil. And they will literally fuck your country up with the military if you don't do that shit. So now you knock Russia off of the fucking petro. No, you knock Russia off of the off of the energy fucking network, right? And now Saudi Arabia says you're gonna be buying energy in real. Now, 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 now Russia says, oh, you're gonna be buying energy in rubles because why would they need U.S. dollars, right? Yo, they've destroyed the fucking Western economy, right? Without the petrodollar, we are nothing. You need to understand that, right? So this is what, sorry, I'm getting very mercurial right now, but this is why I'm saying it only makes sense to me that Joe Biden, right, and major elements of other Western countries have been thoroughly compromised and essentially are operating from an international perspective for the purpose of China, because it makes no sense. We're suffering so badly. In the U.S., fucking inflation's at past 7%, bro. In Canada, it's like close to 6%, and that's a lie, right? Yo, energy increasing sucks for us. Our generation's gonna get screwed royally. Understand that. And all of this only benefits China. And the fact that people don't understand this makes no sense. It makes no sense. Because the thing is like, forget the politicians, right? Like they're idiots. But is, is, has anybody been listening? Has anybody been watching anything? Anyhow, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say, okay? We are pretty much effed because our major, our politicians on a federal level have been compromised. 
Every other politician, either on a provincial or a state level, is a freaking idiot. They're, they're, they're too unsophisticated to understand anything because they're following a false reality of history that the Chinese Communist Party is not. And this is why we are doomed unless we wake up and start treating this like a serious internal security issue, right? Everything is compromised.